Steve, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a little fired up after that Steeler game. We're, we're recording on Sunday night, which is rarity for us, but it's the only night we can make it work this week. And um, that was a good game. Yeah, the alternative would be recording this and being bummed out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We'd be miserable right now. Totally different vibe. Uh, Anyways, hello. This is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Steve, last week we took a week off because I was like, I don't have much to talk about. Well, that was a Monday. And I think by like two o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday, we had oodles and oodles to talk about. And now we're going to get caught up on all that and then some. You excited? I can't wait. All right. We've got a good show. We're going to talk about all of the coaching stuff. Uh, There's been a lot of it. Um, Some of it on a more local level, so to speak, than than not. Um, Then we're going to talk about Penn State's bowl game. Um, And we're going to talk about the playoffs. And then we're going to talk about old guy, young guy, which will be, of course, a Christmas theme because we are now in the holiday season as you see the well you can't see you the listener can't see but there's a Christmas tree small Christmas tree behind me uh That's nothing nice. over here there you go, oh there's there's, there's the nutcracker too and a, a yep, bell. True. yeah all so, kinds of stuff going on a lot of a lot of knickknacks um normally I'd have like a long rant to set this up but uh, I, I guess I'm not going to have that long rant uh, I'm going to say this there are certain people when they go on and do things that you don't really necessarily know that you are extremely proud of them. Brent Pry, perfect example of that. Like uh, somebody from Altoona um, who he's also from Altoona, uh, just really awesome to see him go get this job that he, he has long deserved. Um, And you know what? I don't necessarily think puts Penn state in that bad of a spot. Like I think it, it it's okay. Yes. You, you might lose someone that was a consistency to James Franklin over, over all of those years, but he was kind of sort of the last guy. I think he's the last one, maybe, um, maybe Terry Smith might've been the last one from Vandy. Um, so, it, you know, that continuity it's kind of sort of been out the window, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's for sure. Um, so that to me is not alarming by any means. And at the end of the day, again, this is an opportunity that Brent Pry deserves. He has worked hard for, and apparently he's getting paid very well for. Um, so I am very happy for him. Uh, I can't say that I didn't see this coming as soon as that job, you know, opened up. I, I think a lot of people do that. I think it was either going to be that or one of the Louisiana jobs. It just so happened that, well, maybe not the LSU job, but it just so happened that the Virginia tech job was the best job out there at the time for him. And really outside of the USC and LSU jobs, one of the better college jobs that has been open in this cycle. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, Virginia tech is a good gig. I mean, it's a good place to be. Um, he didn't go at some other times when he probably could have taken a job at, you know, someplace else um, and waited for a, a job that was the right job at the right time. It feels like this is it. Um, so he goes to Virginia Tech. And, and I think you're I think you're right in terms of it not being a big law. I mean, it's a loss for Penn State. But at the same time, if you've kind of known it was coming, like yeah. if, if, if Joe, Joe Fan thought it was going to be coming, then certainly James, the coach, should have thought it was coming. So hopefully has a plan ready or at least some names in mind to try to make that transition as easy as possible. And yeah. If not, I mean, that's his job. So hopefully right. that's part of what he's doing. Yeah. To me, it was, 
this we all kind of knew was the end game. It maybe wasn't necessarily the best time given some of the just hecticness of, of kind of the offensive side of the ball this season. But I think we all knew that this was eventually coming. And I'll be honest, like, I don't think enough people are kind of talking about the fact it's a weird problem to have when you're, you're approaching it from the Penn state perspective, but it's a good thing that's happening because James Franklin has now developed Charles Huff. He has somewhat sort of developed Josh Gaddis. Um, he's developed Brent Pry. Um, he worked with Jomo. I don't want to say he developed Jomo because I think Jomo kind of sort of was his own, own deal. Um, who else am I missing? There's there, there one more that is now. Oh, Ricky Ronnie um, is the other head coach right now. And uh, to me, that's good for good for James Franklin. Like that, it shows that James Franklin makes good hires. People want to hire these people away. It's it's a bad thing, quote unquote. Not terrible, but a bad thing for Penn State fans. But a good thing all in all, I think. No, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. It, it's a good thing. It's he's had quality assistants that have gone on to better things, and the challenge is now to to replace them with similar quality. And again, some of them have been with him for, for a while, so there's that that consistency piece, and that's the challenge that that is now there for coaches that weren't there, that wasn't there five or ten years ago. And you've got at this time of year, you're trying to keep kids from jumping into the transfer portal. You're probably trying to lot, look for kids who are in the portal. You're replacing coaches who who've gone on to better gigs. So if 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 you're doing it well, there's a lot going on. You got signing day coming up. You got a bowl game to prep for. Like it used to be the off season was like, okay, we'll go to the bowl game and then let's everybody takes a deep breath. I don't know when that deep breath is now. Um, and I don't know that I have a whole lot of sympathy for anybody in the industry. That's that's what it is. But it, it, it's there's not a downtime. I think it was Audrey Snyder that said, imagine if the NFL had the playoffs, free agency, and like the draft all at the same time. That that is basically what the month of December has become like. Um I think that was kind of maybe what bummed me out a little bit about Burn Prior leaving was like, oh, you won't get one more game with them. Like it would have been nice to send them off on a bowl trip. But again, like because of the free or free agent, <laughs> because of the recruiting early signing day, which is now mainly the main signing day, you have to make that decision. Um, so, yeah, no, like, like I said, I, Brent Pry, watching Brent Pry do this, it was something we knew was coming. I genuinely think he's going to turn Virginia Tech into a force um, in the ACC, um, very winnable conference, and, and I think he can do it relatively quickly as long as he, you know, kind of makes the right hires. I mean, that program has a lot, has so much going for it. I mean, it, it's grown so much, probably in, in, in my lifetime, there, there, I don't know if there's been a division one program that has come to prominence the way that Virginia Tech did under coach Beamer there in, in his years and the stadium expands and people get around it and it gets a reputation. Uh, I mean, they, they had produced good players um, through the years, but they, they, stopped, they set off a little bit now from what they were, but what they were five or seven years ago, and for a long period before that was something pretty special. I think they can probably get back to that level. I even said that during to, to some friends during the, the uh, early kind of openings of those two positions of, of that Virginia tech job and the Florida job. I almost would like, I, I had to think about which job, if, if you said, here's a contract for the Florida job and here's a top contract for the Virginia tech job, I would think about it a little bit, probably would take the Florida job because it is the sec versus the ACC. 
but it's it, it, it is interesting that that is a job that you think about because in theory they virginia tech could become kind of sort of the mid the other team in the mid-atlantic i don't really know what you consider penn state to be in i don't know if you consider it to be northeast or 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 mid-atlantic but you know you think once you get north of state college there's not really much in terms of major players in, in the college football world and, and even once you get south directly you've got you know wvu hmm, some years you've got Pitt, some years um you've got you know uh, maryland not very often but virginia tech is the one program in this region that you kind of count on hmm, they should be an eight win team usually every year um so hopefully that's how it happens for brent pry um and maybe the Penn State Virginia Tech game can get back on the schedule that I know that I was looking forward to, that a lot of Penn State fans were looking forward to, um, and I think that's definitely doable now. So moving on, um, I don't know if you heard there were some other coaching changes in the, the uh, college football world. Um, Brian Kelly just said "see ya" and went to LSU. And Lincoln Riley went from Oklahoma to USC. In my opinion, two very different moves, but two moves that give you headaches um, in two different ways. Number one, I guess it from Oklahoma to, to USC, as I said earlier, I think this could have been like, we could have been living Penn state fans could have been living in that reality, basically of, of being an Oklahoma fan. I still think they were interested in James Franklin, um, regardless of the way the season went. Like, I think it was very evident that that could have happened. And to me, it makes James Franklin look pretty smart when, when he handled it the way he did handle it because Lincoln Riley took, looks like for a lack of a better term, a total asshole now, but not as much of an asshole as Brian Kelly. Um, the Brian Kelly thing, it's amazing how awful he left made me like Notre Dame. Like, does that make sense? Like, I, I have sympathy for Notre Dame now, and normally I don't have sympathy for that school. Yeah, well, I'd have been ready for them to be in the playoff. Like, if they could have, if, yeah. if Cincinnati would have lost, and I'd have been comfortable with that. I, I think, I think Brian Kelly is who he is. He, he, he's just that, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a nice dude. <laughs> doesn't seem, I don't know, like a good guy, period. Um, I forget the, the sports center stat or the, where I saw the stat about coaches who's left an 11-win team in, in a conference after a season, and, and it was him at, like, Cincinnati and now him at Notre Dame, like, who've gone on to better, to better things. And I understand the Cincinnati thing, although I don't remember if that was I mean, that makes a little bit of sense, right, in the whole hierarchy of things, and nobody's really surprised. I guess it's kind of like James Franklin here. Oh, there's stuff you don't know about the program, or things we can do better, and maybe he's going to play that card at Notre Dame. But, no, he looks like a, he looks like a jerk, and it's not a better gig. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I look at LSU's schedule. They'll be all right next season. Like, they, they, got, they have one tough home game. They're going to have all kinds of talent. They'll be okay. But he had a better shot at winning a national championship at Notre Dame than he's mm-hmm. ever going to have at LSU. Period, because Notre Dame always gets a pass to be in consideration for stuff. So I don't, I just don't know what, I don't know. We don't know what, what all the pieces were, but it just from the outside just looks like a, a silly decision and a selfish decision. And well, not that I expect anything else, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, for so many reasons, I agree with that. I think the fact that he, you know, basically showed up to the players left two minutes later and then that was gone. Like, I understand there's no easy way to do this. That probably isn't the way to do this. Um, That would be my opinion on that one. I think the other thing was like the accent thing. Did you see that video? Yeah, that was awful. It was like, I, it takes a lot for me to be kind of sort of uncomfortable. That made me very uncomfortable. Like we all have watched Brian Kelly. We know exactly what he sounds like. Like you're not pulling a fast one over anyone there. That would be like, like it'd be like me moving to, to like Maryland, which I did, and, and started speaking with a Baltimore accent. Like it's just it. No, I don't know what. Yeah, I just don't understand who would have gotten in his ear or why he would have thought that was necessary. Yeah, just be yourself. They're hiring you because you're kind of a jerk, and they expect you to win games. And and, and it's going to be a hot seat after a season and a half if you aren't winning games down there like you were at Notre Dame. So yeah. don't worry about how you sound. Worry about winning games. And I, I, I mean, maybe I, to me, if that was someone that came to, to, to my school or my team and did that, I would feel condescending and, and pandering and, and it, it wouldn't go well for me in terms of wanting to welcome him. But whatever, maybe they don't. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. That was that was honestly one of the weirdest things. And there was a lot of other weird little things going on. Apparently, like he there was a there was a picture. Did you see this one? The there was a picture of him given the bird after Tommy Rees screwed up on a play. Um, and and the, the photographer never shared the photo, but decided this was the time to share the photo, which I thought was interesting. And then LSU ripped off like an entire video from Notre Dame and just like digitally enhanced it so that he was wearing like LSU colors. I don't know if you saw that one. It was like, a, it was literally the same shots. They just made him have a purple suit on basically. Oh, but that's, I think that, I mean, Lincoln Riley, right? I mean, and Penn State does that with, with people too. Like, if, but like Lincoln Riley, USC, like they do that. You have mm-hmm. them in USC, go yeah. up when you're naming them. Yeah. Play, people are there with Photoshop playing around and making stuff work. And I, I get it from a marketing standpoint, but from, a, from an honesty standpoint, there, there's, there's a little bit of, and, and there's, it's so much easier now to do that than it was, you know, even a couple of years ago. There's a whole new thing on Photoshop where you can go in and, 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 click on a face and say, show me an emo- you know, show me a happy emotion. It'll make a straight up, not smiling picture smile. Like it, there's some scary stuff out there. Steve, Steve, Steve now scaring, scaring everybody. Um, people smile. Nah, just like, but like I said, like, not that I ever had really any respect for Brian Kelly, but I have zero respect for Brian Kelly ever again. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. Really. I have no problem with Lincoln Riley. Like whatever you, yeah, like you actually probably made a smart move. I probably, if I was going to the SEC versus having the opportunity to go create something at USC, which has a lot of money. With me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to go to there. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, anything else you want to add on all the coaching stuff? No, Brian Kelly's a jerk. Move on. Yeah. All right. I think we made that clear. <laughs> uh, moving on. Hey. One of the, re- the other reasons why we waited to do this podcast today was because we knew that there was going to be a bowl announcement. And that a bowl announcement is that Penn State will be heading to uh, Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to take on the Arkansas University or University of Arkansas. I forget. Razorbacks? Arkansas. Razor. Yep. Um, 
in the Outback Bowl. Uh, this is the first time Penn State's played in the Outback Bowl since the Florida Penn State game there uh, with, with Urban Meyer kind of sort of retiring. I think maybe, I don't think Tebow was on that team. Uh, maybe Aaron Hernandez was. I, I can't remember. Um, all I remember is like they're being very dirty jer- jerseys after that game. Like I remember, I think there was like a lot of dye or something on the field. Um, now here's what's interesting about this one. It doesn't actually fit into the slotting of where Penn state would have slotted in. Do you think Penn state got this goal bowl because the Outback bowl knows how well Penn state fans travel? Oh God. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, and I, I guess I'll be interested to see if, if people respond because of the way the season ended. You know, you, you, you finish the season, you know, kind of want while, you know, down the stretch in the second half of the season. But I think people will travel. It's Florida. It's January 1st. It's, I mean, from a, from a positive standpoint for Penn State, you know, you, you limp to the finish line and you're going to have all this wonderful stuff as a result. You know, you're going to be able to say you played, it was, it's not a New Year's Six Bowl, but it's a, it's a January 1st game. A New Year's Day Bowl. You know? So it's it's a good gig, and yes, Penn State is always at least Penn State is always one win better in the in the in the eyes of bowl people than it is on its record. You know, it's very interesting. I had never really heard that expression until today, and and you said that said it, Neil Rudell said it, or somebody else said it on Twitter, um, and I was like, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like, I, there's been times where Penn State's gotten into a bowl that mm, I don't know if they should have gotten into that that bowl. Um, I know no, absolutely nothing about Arkansas, so I'm excited about that. So we'll, we'll definitely break down the game when I have time to look over. Like I, I have their schedule up. I'm going to go through it in real time with you. They beat Rice. They beat Texas. They beat Georgia Southern, and they beat Texas A&M, and then they lost to Georgia and Ole Miss, and then they also lost to Auburn, which Penn State played Auburn and beat Auburn, so that's nice to see a common opponent there. Um and then they – oh, that's right. They had a very close game with Bama, um, 42-35. Other than that, the only other thing that I know about Arkansas is that that is where Bill Clinton went. So. Well, that's something that's good. That's yeah. good. Now, they were, they were hot early, right? They were the flavor of the month until they, they mm-hmm. played Georgia, and people figured out they weren't quite that good. Um, I always think of them in the bits I've seen this year. You know, they're an athletic team, a talented team. It, I think it'll be a good matchup for Penn State. It'll be interesting to see. You know, that's the other thing with Penn State is who's going to play or who may or may not play. And Penn State hasn't really haven't had a problem with kids opting out or deciding not to play. Um, and by that point, everybody should be healthy. So it, it should be, I, I think, an entertaining game. And in terms of the options that people have during bowl season, like some of the matchups, I think the New Year's Six matchups are good and the national championship stuff is what it is and makes sense. But this is, this looks like a decently interesting game among the options that are out there at that time of year. So I'm excited for it. It's the first time they're, they're playing them, which is, which is neat. Um, so, yeah, it'll be cool. You know, I was, I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, I wonder how many teams are left that Penn State hasn't played of, of- – power five they've got to be arkansas has got to be one of the last um which i thought was interesting um i'm now i'm now looking at arkansas's other notable notable alumni uh pat summerall 
Um, oh, yes, Jim Walton, of course. So I think the whole Walton family like went there. Um, that's I, 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 you can Google it. Um, anyways, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's interesting. I personally, I don't know if we're going to the bowl game, but personally, I'm excited about that for any Penn Staters that are listening. Cigar City Brewing, one of the world's best breweries. Uh, it's, it's a must stop. Um, the Sparkman's Wharf area, very cool area in downtown Tampa. There's uh, there's like a, it's like shipping containers and each shipping container is a restaurant, like not a restaurant, but a like, like the, a food stand, um, so to speak. Super cool area to hang out. The Riverwalk is great. You can walk down the Riverwalk and hold a beer the whole time. And most importantly, you have pub subs, which are just delicious pub subs. Um, and, and the lightning play there. So, you know, there you go. Go bolts. Are they are they home on either side or a couple? Uh, of yes, they way? are home. They are home on the thirty first. So we'll see. I, like I said, I don't know if we're going, but um, you know, if we go, it'd be kind of tough not to go to that game as well. If you're gonna go down, you might as well make the most of it. Yeah. Um, do you? Let me ask you this one. Do you believe in the the bull game? gives you momentum thing to the next season or do you think it is meh i think it's meh, meh. i mean i think it's it, it's something you can sell as momentum i don't mm-hmm. know that it actually translates to the field and, and i do think the extra practices probably give you a little bit That's of help thinking. but it, but it depends too on what your emphasis is in those practices right if penn state's got to make sure people are healthy and whatever else and they're working people in i mean i guess it's more reps for somebody because you're out there 15 more times. So I guess the reps can't possibly be bad. So I think that's certainly a good thing, but it's not that big of an advantage because how many bowl games are there? 40, right? So 40 bowl games? 42. They just added that weird one because so, there was so a... that. So it's not like anybody on Penn State's schedule next year isn't getting the opportunity to have right. those extra practices as well, right? right? So it's not some huge big advantage. Um, but I think it helps in terms of player development. But in terms of momentum into the next season, no, right? I mean, you can say you won. You can say you were New Year's Day bowl victor. You can say you had more wins than what you would have had if they done. But no, I, I don't think it legitimately carries over to the first game of the season or even the spring game in terms of anything. I think I think the only time that I I definitively can say that I feel like that over the last however many years of Penn State football, watching Penn State football, was a game that Penn state lost, which was the tax layer bowl when Trace McSorley came in at halftime because Hackenberg was hurt. Um, Cause I, I think trade, like that was kind of our first experience of trace being like, yeah, I, I I'm a, I'm a dude and I'm going to take care of this and we're going to figure this out for you. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know if I buy it as much as um, other, other things. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good that comes out of a bowl game, but there's not – again, it's experience for, for that quarterback, right, who's going to come play, and, and maybe people get some confidence in him. But I don't think it means, oh, okay, we're that much better prepared for the first game of the season as well. Yeah. No, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, especially, you know, and I think especially when the quarterback position is kind of sort of the biggest position of question mark going into next year, and the person that might be starting at quarterback won't be on campus yet. Um so I think that's also something to consider. Um, 
Anything else you want to add about Penn State's bowl trip to against Arkansas? I think it'll be interesting from that part that you talked about. Like, I, it's always interesting to me how the coaches treat it. Right? Is is it a reward for let's get let's get Sean back in the game? Let's let's have, let him get prepared, show people he's, he's wonderful, or how much are we keep putting people at other positions so we know we're good enough? We're going to help us have a chance to win, but we, you know, is is it a reward for people, or, or is it a sneak peek at what we can do? But I think it's. I think the sneak peeks probably happen in practice, those 15, and they're going to go with who's been there the whole time. So, no, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I think it'll be an interesting game. So, so we'll talk about it closer as we get closer. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, moving on, but still talking about bull games. Um, there were no really, like, I, I think I, David Pollock made a joke this morning that what are we going to talk about for two hours because – the college football playoff was pretty well decided. Um, I did want to make one point, and if this was going back to something you said about Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, I do wonder if Notre Dame would have had a conference championship win. It would have been very interesting to see if they would have gotten that fourth spot over Cincinnati. But then I was like, well, well, they, they their lot one loss was to Cincinnati, therefore. Going by logic, there Cincinnati's a better team, but I do wonder if maybe, um, you know, maybe Georgia, Bama beat Georgia a lot more, and then something weird would have happened there. Like, could Notre Dame gotten in? But that being said, I think that the college football playoff is going to be an interesting one. I think Cincinnati's going to give Alabama a game. I don't know, know necessarily know if they're going to win. But I think they're going to give them a game. I think the spread I saw was 13 and a half. And I, I would think about probably bet, betting on Cincinnati to, to, to get that 13 and a half. Um, the Michigan and Georgia game is, is super fascinating because if you love boring football, that's what Michigan provides. And if you love great defense, that's what Georgia provides. And I don't know how that really works out because I, I don't think Georgia – can move the ball as well as some people think they can, or we could be wrong and then find out. I don't know, like looking at this, I don't know who wins that game right now. Uh, I, I probably need to think on it a little bit more. Um, I think people are a little too hype on the Michigan train because of the way that they beat Iowa, which we all kind of sort of collectively agreed that that Iowa team was not great. Um, Anything out of the college football playoff that stands out to you? Like, good for Cincinnati on getting in, though. They deserve it. Yeah, I think Cincinnati deserved to be in. I don't think it was a uh, like any kind of like, oh, they're just due. I, I think they're, they're they're one of the four best teams yeah, in the country. They're a good team. Um, I, and I don't have – I guess for me, I don't have any desire to see – I certainly don't have any desire to see the ninth best team in the country participate in the playoff anytime soon. Um, you know, maybe you could talk me into eight at some point, but I know maybe the money's not there for eight, maybe the more the money's when you go to 12 or however that works with TV contracts. But four, for the most part, feels right. Like, I, and, it, and it just feels like if, if we go beyond that, something fluky's going to happen to somebody somewhere along the line that probably should be, should be there. So um, I'm excited to see what Cincinnati can do about Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't have a sense for Michigan and Georgia. Um, I'm really surprised by how well Alabama played um, in the championship game, I, I just I've seen them a couple times this year. They just seemed like they were okay, pretty good. Yeah, they motivated and like they had something to prove. Um, and I think that's what makes them 
dangerous. And while 13 and a half with Cincinnati doesn't sound, sounds reasonable. And maybe you take the points. I don't know. Like if, if, if they get motivated and I don't know, it, it's, that's what makes it fun and interesting. So I think the semifinal day, although it's, it's New Year's Eve again, and that's when the ratings were not so, not so great. And they were trying to move them off that day. Um, but I'll be interested in seeing both, both those games for as long as they're competitive. The, the thing with that Bama game last night was like, it was, it kind of sort of felt like it was a, like it, this was like a, oh yeah, Bama turned it on. Like, oh, there's the Bama light switch and somebody like all season long, they've been kind of flickering it. And then all of a sudden it's, it's the whole way up Frankenstein style light switch. I'm, I'm going to tear out my arm over here. I'm flailing. That's a big switch. That's, but, but it, that's what it looked like. Right. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Let's see what else. New Year's Six Bulls, um, Michigan State playing Pitt. Kenny Pickett is probably going to throw for 500 yards, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if what Pitt can do against um, Kenneth Walker, the third, who is, I think, I was thinking about this. I think the best player that I saw all season long. Uh, maybe Aiden Hutcherson was pretty good in person, but. Kenneth Walker was scary good. Like he's going to be, he's going to be a problem in the NFL. Like we're going to be talking about him in the same sentence as Derek Henry. Um, that Oklahoma state and Notre Dame game doesn't do a ton for me, but I do think this Ohio state game is very interesting. You have Utah who beat the team that beat Ohio state and did it not only once, but twice. So that's super interesting. But the main game that I am most excited about is this Baylor Ole Miss game. Um, I don't know if the, what the over is. Unless it's infinity, I think you would you would pretty much bet the over there. <laughs> um, that is my hot take on that game. That's, that's probably fair. Yeah, and I, I actually, that was the game, the, the Baylor-Oklahoma State game. Like, you know, there's a part of me like, oh, well, Oklahoma State can have a chance to, to get to the playoff as well in top four teams. That'd be interesting. And then I, then I remember, you know, I forgot for a second that Mike Gundy was their coach. And and uh, and for me, Brian Kelly and Mike Gundy are. I mean, I know Mike Gundy hasn't gone anywhere. That's his alma mater. He just seems like kind of a jerk. To wow. So I was okay, okay. I know. I don't know why. That's interesting. Do you want to let's, let's talk about this too? I don't. I don't it's, know it's why. He just seems kind of like old school jockey, kind of like I don't know. I don't know. It's just a feeling I get. So I was I was okay that they lost in the way that they lost, and they couldn't score a couple times, several times inside the inside what to buy um so yeah i think for me of those games i'm interested in pitt michigan state I'm, i mean i'm always interested in pitt just because of the old school penn state stuff um and i think the michigan state matchup will be interesting for both both the reasons you talked about for both those offensive players who could have big games against the opponent um yeah notre dame oak state eh, i don't know i mean i'll be interested to see how notre dame responds right with with freeman's first game and 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 what they do there you would think that the you know, hopefully they get a win or they want to get a win for him in that situation. Um, and But beyond those games, though, those, the you know, Ohio State, for the reasons you stated too, beyond those, like I don't usually, usually I can find one or two, maybe four, like the leading up to it in the week before, like, oh, okay, I'll check, check, peek on that. And there's not really anything that I really want to peek in on in bowl week. Like I just, I don't know. The only one that yeah, I want to turn turn on is this Alamo Bowl, uh, which is uh, Oregon and Oklahoma. That's the only one that's just, is interesting to me. And you, by law, 
at my household, regardless of where I live, you have to watch the Bahamas Bowl. Um, and it's a damn shame that it's not on Christmas Eve. So that is the first bowl this year, uh, I believe, on the 17th, uh, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee and Toledo. So uh, that's some quality stuff there. Uh, all right. 42 bowl games. That's great. Those poor teams will be left at home. You know. Um, anything else you want to say? Part, the best part of this coming up will be the report, what, next week or the early week? The week after, right? All of what they get, all the players, right? All the oh, I love that. We gotta, we'll, we gotta break that down. Whatever else, that's always a great thing. Yeah, we gotta break that down tonight and see what, see what, what we would pick. What bull game would would you pick? We'll, we'll do that when it comes out. Um, so, um, anything else you want to add about that bull week? I, again, there's not a whole ton out here that jumps out at me. Um, I did think there was one other interesting matchup just from the like optics, which is also at Raymond James Stadium. I think Florida plays. Hold on, let me find this. Central Florida, right? Yeah, I think yeah. Florida plays UCF, which, from what I understand, like that's that would basically be like putting Pitt and Penn State into a bowl game because like they yeah, don't want to schedule each other. So, but, right. but do it like. So I think that's kind of the vibe. Uh, yeah, Florida, Florida State, and Miami don't want to have anything to do with UCF if they can if they can help. Yeah. Them. So so I think that that'll be that'll be the aspect of this game. The only uh, it, this is going to be a random tangent that that we're going to go on here, Steve. Um, but that made that clicked the gear. You know how like like there's cold weather bowl games. There's the 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 game at Navy Stadium. There's the game at Forbes field or at Ford field, which is indoors, but still you have to go to Detroit in winter. Um, if there was one stadium that I think still needs a bowl game, it's Hershey park stadium. I think it would be an absolute blast if two teams from the Mac and the mountain West played in a bowl at Hershey park stadium, you called it the chocolate bowl. Uh, it, uh, would you go? I would go. I'm now interested because it would be the Chocolate Bowl, so that would be okay. And I've been there. I've been there at a game in uh, December 18th or so when State High played in the state championship against what is it, LaSalle College High School, mm-hmm. and it was like eight inches of snow. 322 was supposedly shut down, and we drove there to. to so yeah, like that would be kind of cool. I mean, okay. I know it's not going to happen, but that'd be kind of cool. I'm just kicking that one out That's there. West. Hershey Park Stadium is a cool venue. Like it's it's just got a nice. I'm sure there's others across the country, but it's got a neat little the way it's set up. It's cool. I mean, and like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Hershey's one of the few companies that doesn't have a bowl that you kind of sort of expect them to have a bowl. And I don't know. It'd just be, it'd just be nice. It is weird, right? They, they I, for all the marketing they do, and you think they would have companies that have a bowl, and they have their stadium. Like, like yeah. they have all the people. The it, they own it. It's not like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's right there. Uh, right after, and then... You know what? Maybe you make it. Remember how like the tax layer bowl used to be like well at like a week after the. Uh, maybe you make it the farm show weekend too. You know, well, it could be tied into be, the farm be, show. Could be the Saturday of farm show weekend, which is still the and the Monday is the national championship game. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Hershey. You're welcome. It's just, uh, we will not pay naming rights because we know Hershey needs them, um, but we would like to be a co-sponsor. Um. All right, moving on. Steve, 
I just have some questions for you. Not quiz, not quiz, not quiz, not quiz. No. He, he, he tensed up as he said. He like leaned in. He's like, oh God, here we go. Here um, go. Okay, Steve, um, a couple of, we, we decorated for the holidays over the last two and a half days, give or take. Uh, we put up the three trees in our, our house. We have a tree here in the office. We have our real tree in the living room. And then in the basement, we have a um, fake tree, which is our Penn State tree, but that is our, our main tree. Um, number one, are you a colored lights or are you a white light kind of guy? Uh, we are white lights indoors and out. There's one, there's one, there's colored on one reef somewhere, but everything outside is white lights that we put up before Thanksgiving, even, which was early this year, because for us, typically weather was warm and we were hosting Thanksgiving and she wanted to be able to turn the lights on that night. So we got all the outdoor stuff up ahead of time early and then. Was it last weekend we did most of the inside stuff? Mostly I get all the boxes out and lights out and Susan makes it happen. And then I put the boxes back. Okay. Um, I heard you say indoors and out. So outside of your house, there are white lights only, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and now is that by your choice or wife's choice or? I don't think we ever really, I think we do just both agree. That's what we bought when we did. I don't think we've ever had, okay. you know, yeah. Um, Cause I, to me, like I hate, colored lights outside especially like i hate them inside but i hate them outside even more for some reason um so i wanted to get your your thoughts there so we're on the same page there now here comes the next question inflatables all right what, do, what are your thoughts on these blow up inflatables out there i would uh i would do it but i have been overruled on that i think i think even though they're they're, they're kitschy one could be tasteful and kind of fun i don't oh, you know tasteful, maybe kind of fun okay maybe, that, maybe tasteful is a strong word one could be fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we had a Santa or a SpongeBob, that'd be kind of cute. Of course, we are in a very windy area, so it might end up in the neighbor's yard in the first night. Yeah. Kind of downright. So, I mean, it's not a hill I want to die on, um, but I thought they'd be kind of cute to try, and it was not a hill that was even a starter, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, no, not a, not a hill that I, I, am, I, I, would, I would die on that hill. That's okay, a, there you go. Yeah, that's a hill I'd die on. I, I fully support not having inflatables um now as i mentioned we have two fake trees one real tree where are you at on on the real tree or fake tree oh it's all we've always had a real tree um they've always come with almost always a story because like the first well once the kids were once we had kids they came with stories because then we got into a lot our log house the first log house had like 16 foot ceilings so we would get like a big tree and I guess, I don't know. We first got married. I thought we got a small tree and I put it in a five gallon bucket with rocks and water and that kept it up. And we didn't really have a real tree stand. So like the first year that we got like the big tree, I thought that was going to work for the big tree too. Needless to say, the tree went down. Um, like, and there was some profanity that followed it. And then I eventually had to put like a nail in like by the window of the house, to like tie it up and keep it up. And that, that would repeat itself pretty much every year. Like you could pretty much guarantee that the big tree was going to fall once and I was going to swear. Um, but we have, and when we first moved into this house, where the living room at isn't, there's not a window that faces like the street or the, so that people can see you have a tree. Yeah. So like the first and second year, we had two trees. We had a little tree by the window so people could see, the, oh my God, they put a tree up. And then we had the big one that we actually put our presents and stuff on the, on the right. Um, you still can't believe I'm not going to treat She's falling every year and I'm still swearing. Yes. I just can't believe that year. you were like, I'm going to take a five gallon bucket 
I don't know why I did either. But rocks I, I thought that would work. Why not just go buy the tree stand, Steve? We did eventually. I mean, I you know, I, I don't. I think when we were first married, like our first trees were small in the first house we had, and I think that that worked. So I just thought. I don't. I don't care really if it ever works, Steve. Like, <laughs> can't believe. Well, in fairness, it didn't work during our daughter's lifetimes either. So maybe, maybe it was that that I was just too old school. So okay, so now when you get so, how tall is your tree? How tall is your real tree? This year it's nine feet. It's nine feet. Now, do you where, where do you buy your tree? Do you go? Are you go to the Christmas tree farm, or do you go to Home Depot? Uh, or do you just Christmas, go into the woods? No, we Christmas tree farms. There's different ones at State College. We've hit, we probably in the twenty some years we've here been here, we've probably hit them all once. Uh, Ag Arena, one of the the clubs, one of the horticulture horticultural tree club or whatever, sold them one year. When we were in DC, we got it at Lowe's because that was just it was just easier. Yeah. So we we were discussing this because we went and picked out a tree. We when we first moved to in together we did the whole go into a tree farm cut it down thing and then the next year we did that but they didn't have any trees so we went to a, a greenery they didn't have or so we bought a tree there and then we went back to that place and they wanted like a hundred dollars for like a five and a half foot tree and we were like no so we went to home depot and ever since we have either gone to home depot or lowe's but here's my question. Do you, how, I wonder how, like, I feel like this has got to be a very common thing in Pennsylvania or not very common. I feel like the, there's just a lot of people, I'm surprised there's not more people that just go out into the wilderness and just chop down a tree. I'm probably surprised about that too. Like, I think there's probably people who do and surprised there's not more. Um, and, and if you did it that way, you wouldn't have to do like, like our first couple of years when the kids were born, we were in Pittsburgh. So we went to, we were in Murraysville. We went to this tree farm that, the trees were on a, on a hill that was a 45 degree angle. Like, honest to God, there wasn't a flat place, right? So and until we looked and picked one, someone invariably picked the tree that was like at the bottom of the hill. So we picked the tree. We have two kids fighting with each other because they're 11 months apart and they're four years old and they're, they're uh, cold and they're miserable. And we got to drag the tree up the hill with the kids fighting. So, but we've done that. Um, every, I have a bow saw that we use, that we've used. That's been our Christmas tree bow saw for like wherever, forever. Um, things we didn't do. One thing we didn't do is we we found these people who cut off like the, like the, an inch and a, an inch at the bottom of it or half an inch, and they mark the year on it and they keep those things like somewhere and they display That's them. That's a good idea. Kind of cool. Um, and then my biggest my biggest Christmas mistake ever was I think Danny was I forget if Danny was born or she was pregnant with Danny, and we were waiting for the second kid. I forget what it was, but we were talking about getting the tree, and I just. I don't know if I had stuff going on or didn't want to go. I'm like, why don't you just go get your own thinking tree? And that was not Steve, the right answer. Not, Steve, not a surprise. No. Not mm-hmm. the right answer to the pregnant woman um, who was, you know, not happy about that. So, um, yeah, usually getting the Christmas trees is kind of an adventure. Usually it's been good the past 10 years or so. But there were, Less there pressure. Were Less years. pressure now that the kids are older. There were three or four years in a row, maybe five or six, when the kids were home where it was, a circus to get it and then it fell over and then there was swearing and whatever else and next day things were fine but those are what make stories those are make christmas stories so i'm okay with that too yeah all right that's all i wanted i was just curious i just wanted to get your thoughts on decorating for christmas um how long do you stay up afterward 
usually obviously through the new year because i i think i i think christmas trees are also part new year trees in a weird way Mm -hmm. usually uh, trees come down first that's for sure and decorations get pulled in first but i would say the third to the fifth somewhere in that ballpark whereas lights uh lights i'll go to like the 14th i think outside like i i think it's a wintry thing you know yeah, it probably depends on the weather. That's just funny wintry thing. Like, so when we're picking up, well, I'm ready for the tchotchke stuff to be down by like January 6th or so, starting to pull stuff in. And everything will come down except the snowmen because the snowmen are a winter thing. Yeah, we had, a, we had an interesting conversation recently about the snowmen. Um, so it was an interesting yeah. conversation. I, I would, they, they are not, I learned that they're not Christmas decorations. They are January decorations. Actually, yeah, maybe even in the February if the weather's cold. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what yeah. I also learned. Learn something new every day. <laughs> I, I, I thought for us the snowman was a Christmas carol, but again, learn something new every day. Um, all right. Anyways, anything else to add about Christmas decorating? Glad it's done. Glad to Glad enjoy it for a few weeks now. Yeah, gotta gotta keep the dog away from it. Dog hasn't tried to play with any of the the bulbs yet but i think it's only a matter of time before he figures out that they roll around and are oh basically... yeah yeah so. half hides under the tree but doesn't play with anything yet yeah so uh, my when you said the thing about tying the tree to the basically like the roof for the wall we had to do that at my mom's house because the cat one of the cats would inevitably just jump into the tree right. and try to sleep in the tree like 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 a sloth basically yeah. um so yeah all right. Um, well, this has been another show of the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Um, we are on all the podcasting services where you can rate us uh, five stars. Um, we would really appreciate it if you did that. Uh, we let's see what else. We've got an email. It's Stuff Summer Says podcast at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at stuff summer says yours is at Steve Samsel. I've got nothing else. I, I really don't. Merry Christmas and bowl season. Yeah. See ya. Bye. <laughs>